Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Seth Getz is both an entrepreneur and business consultant. He has three businesses. And at the beginning of the pandemic, he realized that the offices that he had for his businesses were no longer necessary. He closed shop, sent his employees necessary tech, and to this day, they are all working from home a change he foresees as permanent. Seth also tells a beautiful story of connecting with his kids, trying to explain to them what is happening without scaring them, so they understand the historical significance of this event. He also describes reading to them while they do their chores in order to continue family connection and be present with them during what could be a very difficult time. That was early January. New strain of virus that was uh, discovered in um, Wuhan. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. Wuhan, China. Um, and that there was sketchy details coming out about it. I didn't form that much of an opinion on it early on. I watched the news, but I really did not form that much of an opinion on it. The first few days, I was like, this is interesting, but I have no idea what to make of this at all. So I really didn't exert any brain cells on trying to come up with anything on it. And uh, I just felt like I had such sketchy details. The thing that has surprised me over the time is the ongoing nature of how bad and how sketchy the information that we've gotten is, and how many times our assumptions and my assumptions have been challenged and changed. It's been, it's been a little bit surprising to me. Other times when things like this have come up, even though we've had some sketchy details, the general tenor of the message has not shifted as dramatically as I think this one has. Some of the comparisons, so there's been plenty of the media creating some fear around it. There's been plenty of times when we've had to re-examine some of the stuff that we've assumed on it. There's assumptions that I made because this was compared to flu. So therefore I equated, okay, flu, that's a different type of flu. Therefore that means roughly these things. And those assumptions have been turned on their head. One small example, I assumed that as summertime came, that it would decrease. Seems like a logical explanation when you compare it to flu somehow, you know? Not that it would disappear, but that it would decrease. That assumption, of course, is wrong. 
Um, and it's totally different. We had assumptions about this being transferred via touching one object that somebody else touched. And there was the big push on washing hands. And then we realized, no, it still can, of course, but that's not the major avenue of transfer. D different assumptions like that, that we've had. And so it's been interesting. I developed, you know, just, I like, okay, I think it's this way. Nope, it's not. So it's been, it's been interesting that way. Being in Michigan was one of the hardest initially hit places in the United States. Uh, I'm pretty sure that at one point we were second only to New York in um, how many cases were coming on and how many total cases. That was a brief time because other states quickly went up the ladder there. Um, our governor uh, fairly quickly put in place some fairly aggressive measures uh, to deal with that. Um, more aggressive. She did it later than I believe they did it in California and Washington, but did it more aggressively than either of those states. Uh, I'm not sure how aggressively directly compared to New York, but I think it's somewhat comparable. Um, and we have remained one of the more aggressive in dealing with its states, even though it has opened up more and more. There was a great deal of fear and unknown in the early days. And I believe that some um, leadership took that to mean, let's not do anything. The leadership in Michigan took that and said, let's do something about it. Let's be aggressive. Where it's at right now, it has opened up to some extent. She shut down schools very early, but that has, she has now, um, many of the schools are opened up because we just started, launched school again. Shut down a lot of businesses and said um, those are closed. Um, many businesses have opened. Um, there is two significant categories that are still closed and have been closed for five or six months now. Um, that being gyms and theaters. Um, and those businesses are uh, understandably hurting and struggling because of that. So that's, that's kind of the nature of that. Um, there's some, she uh, shut down the entire state. Um, and there is some reason for that based on some fears that we had early on and not sure what's going on. Um, looking back on it, it with retrospect, I think she very well could have shut down a part of the state and not the entire part, the entire state. But that's with the benefit of hindsight. And there's some, there's some of the, there's some of the measures that she put into place that as we look back at now, based on my previous point that there was a lot of information we didn't have. Now, some of those um, things, I think that she would not do them again. And I think that they were mistakes. But again, that is said with the benefit of hindsight. I was running three businesses when the pandemic hit out of two offices. I very quickly made it so that no one was going into the offices. Um, this was around the same time that the schools were closed. Both of them happened just right in the same time frame there. I think we might have closed the offices earlier in the week than the schools were closed down, 
can't remember that exactly, but uh, right around that same time. Over the course of those months, um, I decided that those businesses did not need an office. And so I permanently shut down two offices as a result, which is going to basically put those that real estate back onto the marketplace. Um, and I don't think that the landlords were very happy about that because everyone was struggling with that. And uh, so difficult situation to put them in, but I just did it because it was the thing that we could do at the time. Um, so shut down two offices, that's a significant shift. Upgraded my home office um, quite a bit to say I'm gonna work out from here a lot. And um, upgraded the employees home offices, um, made sure that they had the equipment to be able to do that other home office. Uh, that was a significant shift. I have kids who at the launch of this were 11, 9, and 7. They stopped school. I believe the governor announced the shutdown on Thursday uh, and school shut down that Friday. Our school was a little unusual. It's a smaller school but they really went over and above by um, by Monday, they had Zoom classes up and running, which was pretty impressive. Um, very impressive for what they did. It was imperfect, of course, and they only had about an hour um, or a little bit more of Zoom classes per child, um, but it was a significant step in that direction to really help that process along. Um, so the school did an exemplary job of that, um, of, of making that transition, um, even with some hiccups along the way, as you would expect. Having the kids home was expected. An interesting thing um, is that two people, as we talked about this, two people have made the comment before, essentially that they said, as they thought about the COVID, they thought about me and my family and said, oh, they're probably just fine with this. Um, <laughs> because of the fact that we as a family for the past three years have been doing extensive traveling as a family and have spent a great deal of time with just us in a small confined space and um, have been very comfortable with that situation of just us and our family in a small confined space together. And we have done virtual schooling along the way and some homeschooling along the way. And so all in all, we were probably as a family better prepared than many families were um, to handle this. And I, I would estimate that we were less we had less hardship than so many others. Sure, we were inconvenienced. Yes, it was difficult at times, you know, and it was a bother. But all in all, I was impressed by, well, not impressed, but I was, I was interested that I think we were able to weather it better than many other people were. So just an observation and comparison that I looked around me and said, oh man, this is really hitting a lot of people hard. And I looked at me and said, I'm inconvenienced, but I'm not really being hit very hard here. 
my ability. Oh, the other thing is because for years before this, I have worked out of my home. Um, for a while it was, for many years ago, I was completely out of my home and I've done it sporadically ever since. So working out of my home was nothing that radical or new. Um, so in a number of ways, we are better prepared for it than many. It has uh, limited us in some activities. We canceled some travel plans for the springtime. We've barely eaten out um, in that time. Not that that was a big deal for us before, because we didn't do it that often before, but we've almost haven't done it now. Um, we haven't, we haven't gone to any museums, concerts, um, shows, um, anything along those lines, really at all. That's been a shift, but I mean, that's inconvenience. Again, that's just a that's purely an inconvenience level thing. Um, it's a little sad, of course, but whatever. That's not a big deal. I've had a long-standing thing of as news hits, I talk about it over dinner with my kids and give them some perspective of what's going on and some historical perspective if I can. That applies to things like you know, natural disasters of hurricanes or forest fires out west. Just kind of give them some, here's what's going on in the world. Here's some videos of it. Here's what's happening. And then from that, this has been interesting to try to give them some perspective of what's going on, some realization that they're living through world-changing events, um, that this is something that they will actually, at some point in time, tell their grandkids that they lived through the COVID experience um, and some of the changes with that, at the same time, not scaring them. And I've got one daughter who is probably a little bit more inclined to fear over those things. And just when there's something that's going on out there in the world that is, you know, a problem, she tends to get a little bit worried that this is more impactful than it is. The other two take it in stride and don't worry about it too much. But the one is a little bit more inclined to be fearful. So trying to explain it and talk to them what's going on knowing that I know very, very little about it. I like to talk about events going on in our country, in our state, in our city, on social media. This has, of course, been talked about ad nauseum on social media. From the, very word, from the very word go, I have not talked about it on social media. I think I've asked one or two questions about it for input, but that's pretty much it because I think I realized from the very beginning that I don't know what I'm talking about. There are plenty of situations where I have the audacity to think that I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to what's going on in the world. I probably have a lot more confidence than I should have that I know what's going on in the world. Um, this is an area where I am very, very clear with myself that I don't know what's going on, that I don't know what, how dangerous this thing is, that I don't know how contagious it is, that I don't know how exactly it spreads. Sure, there's some theories on it, I'm getting better at it, but still don't. Who's susceptible to it and why they're susceptible to it, why the symptoms are so different. I don't know so much of this stuff. 
And so trying to both, first of all, not talk about social media, but then also to tell my kids about it, knowing that I don't know what I know about it is very interesting and not scaring them with it. So that's been an interesting challenge. Everyone's going to talk about Zoom and video chatting and stuff like that. I mean, it's been, <laughs> it's an obvious thing. But let me go at it from a little different perspective. I think there's some good things. I think there's some things that have been bringing out our humanity in some ways. I think one of the most interesting is, I think it could be summed up in this, we have become, uh, it has now become professionally acceptable and even celebrated to have kids interrupting business meetings. You recall about uh, three years ago, there was a video of that newscaster who had his kids hilariously walk in behind him. <laughs> it, was, it was a great clip of that. That was fantastic, um, but it was it made headlines because, first of all, it was funny, but also because it was so unusual. Now it's not. And we've always placed, I believe, a heavier burden, I'll just say, on women in this role because of so much that they do with their, and the closeness that they have with young children and how young children expect that they are accessible um, and it's harder to put a separation uh, because of cultural expectations. And I think that we have done much better, better, not perfect, but better with that in now realizing that both men and women, but more so for women, that it is normal and acceptable for kids to be coming on and be seen in those meetings. And for there to have kids walk in and interrupt things. Um, and I think that that habit will remain, or that business professionalism, I think will remain. And I believe that to be a good, healthy shift in our corporate culture. I've upgraded my ability to do video and audio off of my computer. And that's a good shift. Still not perfectly there because my video webcam failed on me. So I'm back to using, <laughs> I'm back to using my um, laptop camera. Um, so not without those hiccups, but it's good. It's accelerated. The shifts we already knew were coming. E-commerce is an obvious area that's taking over so many things. And this accelerated that dramatically. The video chatting was a coming phenomenon. This accelerated it. I don't know if I've seen it's changed that much, except accelerated a lot of things. So many of the stories that I think back on this time actually involves my kids. A couple of years ago, I made the realization that I'm working fewer hours than I have since I was probably 17. I realized that most people my age are rather frantic about their career. Frantic may not be the right word, but it's very, very high in, on their prior list. I didn't really set out to do this, but I have de-emphasized my career and working less hours over that time. This has just increased that. 
And so the number of things has increased that I'm doing with my kids. I do a lot of reading to them. Um, last year, I read four of the Harry Potter series um, to the kids, which they absolutely love. That Actually, no, three last year, through over the winter time. I don't do that as much reading in the summertime, but in the winter time, I do a lot of reading to them. And this fall, I read the fourth book of Harry Potter, as well as a couple of other small ones. And in January, I started on The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I was wondering how much they would get into it, uh, but they really got into it a lot, and they loved it. I assumed I was going to give The Hobbit a try first. It's the easiest for kids to digest and see how that went. If that went well, I would start in Lord of the Rings. That went very well, so I started in Lord of the Rings. My assumption, they're long books, my assumption is that I would get through The Fellowship of the Ring and then springtime would be happening and I would maybe put it off for the summertime. Well, then COVID struck. And so we got through the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy um, over that time frame. Evenings after dinner time, I would have one child clear the table and clean up the kitchen and the other two do dishes for the day. Well, I sat in the dining room and read to them. And we did this night after night after night, which of course is good, good for Marie because um, um, she just kind of took off and uh, spent some time by herself and that was very good. It was just a good evening thing. And other days on the weekends or longer evenings, we would sit around the living room and each of the kids would have some um, activity or handwork or um, needlepoint or um, drawing or craft work or anything like that. And I would read to them. Um, and it just provides for some great memories along those lines. Um, so a lot of the memories that I have are of further family togetherness um, and time that we could spend together um, because we weren't seeing friends. We weren't going to any events. We weren't heading out to do anything. Um, we were just hanging out more together as a family. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if this story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.